This week's Oodcast. It's nice to be back. It's uh, nice to have you back, Christopher. Yeah. Ne- next time, tell Jeff not to leave the seat warm. It's a bit uncomfortable. Oh, anyway, welcome to the Oodcast. This is episode seven of series two, which is wonderful. I never thought we'd get this far. <laughs> I thought um, we'd all like get into arguments and and not be on speaking terms by this point. Mm. Yeah, we, we I was could expecting have food fights with jammy dodgers. We released <laughs> released one last massacre episode and that's the end of us. Anyway, um this week on the Ucast, um uh, well I'm Chris Alpha. I'm back. Hello. Um, and I'm joined by Andy. Hello. And Chris Sigma. Hello everyone. Nice hand gesture, Chris. Thanks. Yes, yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of pot calling the kettle black there. <laughs> And we have no Laura. Yeah, oh. this is. Uh, I wonder who's going to be out next week. Laura's yeah. out shopping in the sun, isn't she? Uh, is, is that an early application? Andy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to see if I can do them all. Just to let everyone know what Laura's doing, we're going to a party on the weekend, and the theme for the party is Martian attack on Gatorback Ranch. So it's got to be something to do with B movies, basically, alien technology and rednecks. 
So we're going to go as two farm hands that have been cybernetically fused into conjoined <laughs> twins. You lost me after that. We're going to a party. <laughs> no, you're right. Oh yes, of course, crowds. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so Laura's not not here today, but she will be beaming in her thoughts on Victory of the Daleks, which is, of course, our main review for this week. Oh. And she's still done her song, and I'm sure we'll hear yeah. her on some sketches and stuff Brilliant. as well. So her presence will still, still be very th- much felt. part of the team. Hello, buddy, and welcome to the Oodcast News. The family of the late Raymond Burr star of the American television serial Ironside, have protested to the British Broadcasting Corporation of its use of the name in relation to the Daleks. A spokesman said, It is disrespectful to see Raymond's second most famous role sullied in such an incomprehensible fashion. Air passenger groups have expressed strong interest in Professor Bracewell's invention, the gravity bubble. A spokesperson said, If this were to be used for commercial flights, we would see an end to the disruption caused by Air Fiat Leogat, and there would be no more commercial airline strikes, simply because, well, you wouldn't want to strike if you could fly like that, would you? In other news, it has been revealed that Joe Grant will be returning to our screens in whimsical children's serial, The Sarah Jane Adventures, written by eligible bachelor Russell T. Davis. The 11th Doctor is also set to appear, joining in with the jolly shenanigans. The Conservative Party have today added to their defence manifesto a commitment to send a force of Ironsides to any future peacekeeping missions. Their manifesto states that it is hoped that the force will become a central plank in the defence of the realm, much like their leader. The car industry reels at the revelation that pure Dalek DNA is a mix of Mini Cooper and Renault Megane. Today, Mini issued a statement saying, while it is a shock, it does perhaps make sense. As soon as the Italian job was released, we assumed Davros must have realised that the stairs issue was resolvable. And finally, BBC personality and gadabout Matthew Smith has been seen holding hands with socialite and gallabout town Daisy Lowe. Lucky guy, she's a honey. I will braid your hair. So what do we think? I thought it was a Russell T. Davis story. Interesting. Are you using that as a pejorative term in this I don't, context? I, I have good reasons to not think that, but carry on. Okay, well, n- not a pejorative sense, but it just reminded me of a lot of Russell T. Davis's stories in that it had um, a very human element. It had, you know, humanity is a, a strong force, a positive force. It also had that moral dilemma element that came at the end of Parting of the Ways. It just felt, you know, oh, recycling of ideas. And also, let's bring back the Daleks because we have to have the Daleks. That was my overall impression. But I didn't dislike mm. it. No, well, I think you're right about the RTD thing. I think the one thing I did think, the human element, yeah, but I mean, that's been kind of concurrent since 1963 we can't really say that's a just a russell t davis thing there's always a human element to the well, doctor he, somewhere i didn't mean the doctor i meant no no i mean yeah i, I mean there's a very russell t, da- t yeah, davis theme that, that humanity is a positive thing and uh you know it's, it is the humanity of professor bracewell that saves the day the the thing that i do think was very rtd was the spitfires because one minute they're trying to work out a way of Defeating the Daleks the next... Oh, yes, send in the Spitfires. Yeah. Hang on. How? How did you do that? Mm. You haven't even got the Doctor there. Mm. What, how did that work? I would agree with you there, Chris. I felt that what what it needed was um, no more than a five-second scene of or some dialogue saying, 
okay, we're fitting the gravity bubble now, mm-hmm. um, uh, strapping the pilot in, press that button, it'll be fine, and off they go. But don't we think the foreshadowing of the fact that Bracewell had created these two technologies that were needed to put the Spitfire into space was enough in a 45-minute episode. Mm. Having the Spitfires sail out of the Earth's sphere, and that's the first time you see mm. them. From a narrative point of view, that's the most satisfying way to oh, introduce yeah, that, them. And, and it did look brilliant. It, it did. It was awesome, eh? I'm trying to. I'm racking my brains, and I can't think of a moment where I had to do the Doctor Who sp- suspension of disbelief <laughs> in terms of effects There was on this one, one bit that made me think, that's a bit of a rubbish effect. When um, the Doctor used the sonic screwdriver to open um, whatever his name is. Uh, the, the oh chest. yes, okay, yeah, that was that the worst was a bit, bit rubbish. Mm. And to think of how that looked in, in HD, I'm very glad I've got a rubbish TV. And I don't think he does it up again. I mean, no, I, I know that I'm like, okay, we don't have to see it, but I kind of felt that this guy's going to go off and find the love of his life with this horrible bomb thing on his chest. <laughs> well, no, the the final scenes where he's thinks he's going to be deactivated, he's got he, he's done up again. He's all. He's, he's got his, he is he's got his skin again. But then he does have that really creepy Gestapo-y black glove on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't you know there's a war on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a captured glove. Yes. Um, the, the thing that I but disagree with... strange you, love impersonations. The thing that I disagree in terms of was this like an RTD episode was the way they used the Daleks. Because they were very much, I think, more towards the classic series version of the Daleks. And actually... The way that Russell T. Davis tended to use them was that he'd set up this really kind of impossible task for the Doctor to do, and then he'd solve it in a very improbable way. Which, I mean, I know this is fiction, so, you know, realistically... Are you saying that's what happened? No, I'm saying that that's not what happened. I'm saying the Daleks were a bit rubbish. They they were very threatening, and I like that. I like the fact that they were kind of grounded. They were either on the floor or in their ship. They weren't flying around, Mm. because to me... There were times when, I've said this before, but they do look a bit like laser-toting bumblebees in some of the episodes where there's just huge crowds of them floating around in formation. just looks a bit pants um, to me. I've always liked that. It doesn't look threatening. I've always found it more scary that these things can fly about, like zip around and pick you I have no quarrel with them flying. It's just that I'm at least floating because Dalek in series one, the Christopher Eccleston one, when that floats... That's terrifying. Yeah. Elevate. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. But it's a big you... two fingers to everyone who says they can't climb stairs. That scene is awesome. But then to me, it's more threatening when you have sort of, you don't know how many are there, but they just keep coming. You can't see thousands in the sky because that just takes away some of the mystery, suspense and fear to me. It's but funny. I quite like the fact that they were I'm the opposite on that. a bit grounded. Yeah. But I do, I mean, getting back, it's getting back to the old-fashioned um, Daleks gliding around smooth floors in that very benetic yeah. way, which <laughs> Static electricity, lovely. that's what they yeah. use there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a, yeah. Always <laughs> been a fine image. I, d- I did like the, the fact that they were threatening, but also ultimately a bit rubbish. Oh, look, a squirrel! Okay, let's do things I liked. Um, <laughs> I love the human robot idea, and the fact that he can embrace his humanity and that humanity saves the world. That's a lovely image. That's a very Doctor Who image. Mm. Yeah, talking yeah. a bomb out of exploding yeah. is very Doctor Who. It, it, lovely. Yeah. Um, the fact that it wasn't him that did it as well. Now, I do have a bit of a problem with that. Companion saving the day, fine. Twice in two weeks. I think oh, S- Stephen Moffat is too good a storyteller to let that happen. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's the same. Amy comes in at the last moment and does a leap of logic that the Doctor is unwilling to. In the first week, it was 
that the the whale loved the children. In the yeah. second week, week, it was that love would be the thing that brought back humanity, not anger. And it just seems that's hammer the, hammering that particular trope home a little too much over two weeks. I also feel that ending two episodes on the trot with the crack yeah. is, is... No, that wasn't great either. Starting to rub it in a bit. Yeah. But yeah. obviously me and Jeff's theory that this is just a complete red herring and the, and yeah. the crack's nothing yeah. to do with the season arc, that would be why you would do that because you expect to see it at the end. Should, if should it is just that, then I'm an annoyed. If, it, if he's doing something exciting, then I'm not. Other things I loved was using Dalek cunning to trick the Doctor in coming to Earth to release them. Love that idea. Yeah, giving them back mm. their cunning was yeah. good. They are very cunning, I know that. But there were three of them, and they managed to set up this entire elaborate plan involving a very famous historical figure, a very big war, and a mechanical man. Really? Three of them? It was convoluted, and I give you that, but I'd much rather have something that was interesting and knocked us for six yeah. a little bit than having something that was very straightforward with the Daleks beaming down, blowing everyone up, screaming for a while, and then the Doctor defeating them. At least this... Had had that element of the old cunning like a fox yeah. Dalek about them, and, I, and so yeah, it it doesn't make sense. But there's a lot of stuff that doesn't, and I yeah, much I, prefer that. I do agree with that as well. I did really enjoy it. I did think, oh, yeah, but I did really really enjoy it. Do you know what? I thought there were so many wonderful bits to it, but mm. at the end when I finished watching it, I didn't feel that it quite worked. And that's really strange for me because I'm so used to coming into this new series of Doctor Who and loving it now. And I'm so predisposed to loving it as soon as I start watching it. I loved the Dalek camo design. I loved the old Dalek as tank World War II design. Mm. I thought that was absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Uh, really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed the idea of the Daleks being slotted into the World War II timeline. I thought that was brilliant. And I'd like, I'd have liked the whole episode to be about that, actually. You know, sort of squadrons of Daleks mm. moving across the old battlefields of World War Two, taking out Nazis. There was a story there that really got to me that I thought was brilliant. Yeah. I thought BBC was as good as ever with their period detail. I thought the episode felt quite rich visually. The Doctor just taking off in the TARDIS and going to defeat his oldest enemies armed only with a jammy dodger oh, is just a brilliant, that, brilliant, iconic go. moment. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the Doctor. That, that well moment. And truly wonderful. That, uh, and I then eating it when he gets yeah. found I, out. Yeah, I sat through yeah, the whole thing with sort of the first time. I had to watch it twice to really enjoy it because the first time I sat there kind of enjoying it but kind of thinking, please don't screw this up. Please don't screw this up. And the one thing that I did to kind of whoop with joy with a little bit was that moment where he gets found out, eats the jammy dodger, said, okay, it's a jammy dodger. But I was promised tea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Beautiful, beautiful yes. moment. <laughs> I also really, really wanted to see Rose. Rose? Yeah, I wanted to see Rose on a barrage balloon just <laughs> floating past in the background. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> just and no one remarks on it at all. Yeah. Just right in the background somewhere. There, there was that moment I thought, please don't. Like, Captain Jack's gone, hasn't he? <laughs> not, not again. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I didn't like the fact that Amy saves the day again. I didn't like being hit over the head with the sort of crack references. Mm. And I did not like the new Dalek design. Oh, dear. Why not, I didn't Chris? either, actually. I, I, um, I'm not decided, but I'm erring towards maybe not. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I don't think it's the end of civilization as we know it that they've changed <laughs> it. I just didn't like it. It didn't look as good as the, it, it the does, one before. It did strike when I saw it. I thought, okay, they're a lot bigger. The, 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 their base is a lot kind of sturdier and bigger. They have a hunchback now. Me, 
It got, yeah. I, I just thought that they're going to have to uh, widen all their doorways. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? Having said all of this, I realised I'm definitely mature enough in my fandom now to love elements and hate elements and yeah. not have to go on a massive rant about how the show's going downhill. I've got to agree with you there, Chris. For some reason, I mean, although I mean, overall I enjoyed the plot, but for some reason... It left me a bit cold. But I'm, I'm thinking, OK, look, this is a whole new series of Doctor Who with a whole new team. We're getting used to the new elements of it and the new approach that Stephen Moffat is taking. And if I remember back to the uh, Christopher Eccleston series, it took me until the Dalek episode to really start liking the series. I was actually, each episode up until then, felt just kind of wasn't quite right. And then suddenly it just clicked with me from Dalek onwards. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. Mm. And I kind of think it's a period of adjustment for us fans, getting used to the new things. I, I had the, the same thing with the first style. series. It took me until, the, until then to sort of really warm to it. I, I mean, I was ridiculously excited as well. But then when I went back and watched the first few episodes again on DVD, I just thought that there are moments here. I thought, how did I miss this? this is incredible. <laughs> and there's that moment at the end of... of um, of Rose where he he does the you know this is me I can feel the earth turning underneath my feet I can feel it like, and that speech is the one thing I remember all of the time because it's just an incredible speech mm. the first time I saw it I didn't notice that at all <laughs> I also really like uh, I'm the doctor now run for your life yeah. <laughs> that's a great introduction to the character I have baked a cake Dalek cake can I just quickly talk about how our 11th Doctor is start, sort of faring, basically? How do you think he's developing as a character? I've got to say, I love the way he's going. I'm, <laughs> I really like the fact that he can be so angry, so still so reckless. I mean, he was so incandescent with rage that he just started whacking a Dalek. There mm. was no reason why it couldn't have shot him. He knew that he was pretending, that the Dalek was pretending, but he was so angry. There was that anger that we saw of the Ninth Doctor about what he had to do. He was sort of acting out, and he just wasn't in control of his actions at that yeah. point. I thought that was brilliant to see. I thought he was in control. <coughs> well, when you're um, saying, was, kill me, just kill me! Well, I think that he knew that the Dalek was not going to do that because... He realised that if the Dalek was pretending to be nice and on the side of Winston Churchill and so forth, then there had to be a really good reason. And because the Dalek hadn't already uh, said, ah, you are the Doctor, you must be exterminated from the first minute, which would have been the usual Dalek response, he knew that he was safe enough to uh, do what he was doing. So you think he, it was more calculated? Yeah, it was more calculated. Right. He was goading the Dalek to say, look, come on, God, come on, Dalek. You Although know, we know what's going I'm on. not, I'm not so sure. I'm kind of erring more towards the losing control, simply because he knocks a tea tray with cups of tea onto the floor, and and in my book, the Doctor wouldn't throw away good tea. <laughs> no Do you know way. what I loved was when he kicked the Dalek backwards, and the Dalek goes into reverse mode and is kind of looking over its shoulder to make sure it won't bump into <laughs> anything. <laughs> Dalek reversing. <laughs> but I, I was the, saying the Dalek equivalent of a coy look. There was a sort of Venusian Aikido thing. He he did a fly, little flying kick and punched someone. That, that was very yes. John Pertwee, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but he wasn't punching a real rubbish person. Rubbish kick. <laughs> I love the fact that when he punches Professor Bracewell, you see that in the trailer and you're like, oh my goodness, the Doctor doesn't punch people. And then you realise, no, he whacks him and it's clang. He's not really punching a person. He's just knocking them over. <laughs> and it's, it's not a person, it's an android. 
Also, he's got a bit of a habit now of using theatrical camp sayings. Yes. yes. <laughs> so he calls people sweetheart and yeah. dear. When he calls, he says, what's he say? He says it to the Dalek. He calls yeah. the Dalek sweetheart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's got that kind of grand Hello, old tradition. Hello, dear. What's thing up? <laughs> <laughs> and can I just say, I love the new TARDIS view screen. Mm. It's massive. And yeah. It just looks oh, really yeah. cool. And I also like the term ob- oblivion continuum. Oh, yes. <laughs> it just sounds like a very good Doctor Who thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's a small black hole that we trapped in the robot to give it perpetual power. It's very Stephen yeah, Moffat, okay. isn't it? Yeah, it's sure. like, what do we call this? Uh, let's make it sound really big and dramatic, but I won't explain how it works because I don't know. Do you know what I think? Just going back to the Amy um, uh, diffusing the bomb thing, I I really like the fact that Amy, being the human, was able to interpret what the Doctor was getting at and go for the, the real solution. Whereas the Doctor being an alien... Wasn't quite able to articulate it to Professor Bracewell. I don't know if that helps your um, helps your slight dislike of the issue, Chris. Yeah, okay. The the Doctor is never going to be as good at being human as mm. a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, mm. but I'd have just placed that solution somewhere else in the season, so mm. it wasn't immediately. Yeah, after so it wasn't immediately one. after what she did in the Beast Below. Yeah, brilliant. Well, that is our review. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And now we pass over to the Erswell Laura Simpson to hear what she thinks about the episode. So, Victory of the Daleks. Well, I've got to say at first, I really didn't want to actually do a review of this episode. And I was quite glad that I was off because I really, I really felt quite disappointed by it. I don't know why. I wish, I wish that I still liked the Doctor. I didn't understand why he felt the need to disturb the status quo in this weird way. The sporadic tantrums and outbursts of violence. At times he seemed more like Jane from Firefly than the Doctor I know. I'm the Doctor! Look at my massive stick! I think I'll hit something with it! Bang! Ha ha ha! Bang! Ha ha ha! Bang! Ha ha ha! I watched the Doctor to see witty, intelligent, passionate, cerebral solutions to problems. Not a kid throwing its toys out the pram for lack of recognition. If for some reason the Daleks weren't an immediate threat, then why exacerbate the situation like that? Oh, I'm sorry, Pol Pot. You want to give up your demonisation of intellectuals and your mass killings of unarmed civilians? No! I am your enemy and you are mine! Why create a honey trap situation where they're forced to revert to their violent nature, in the process exposing the entire British cabinet to a threat? Including a strangely kleptomaniacal Winston Churchill. What was that about? You gotta pick a pocket or two, boys! Oh, and, um, blood and sweat and tears and all that. The other issue is, why is he still so antagonistic towards his new companion? Yes, yes, cabinet war rooms. Good girl, have a biscuit. It's quite clear from this third episode that the companion is really the key protagonist here, and that's something really strange. You're a human. Quick, do something that humans do. Think about pain and death. But, Doctor, what about love? No! Pain! Death! Pain! Pain! Why isn't this working? It's like the Doctor has somehow been reset into this infantile, egotistical Burke whose main intent is to run around everywhere and pee people off, as well as miss the point entirely. At least that's how it felt to me. I hope to God the rest of the series reverts back to its original form. Oh, well, anyway, I think I'm maybe overreacting slightly. Look, I still found parts of it amazing. Jammy Dodgers! But, but... Oh, come back, Stone Angels. 
all is forgiven. I have a friend called Amy, not Amy Pond, another Amy, and uh, she's uh, training to be a speech and language therapist, which is very noble and very good. And um, she sent put a message up on Facebook saying she was going to do some work, but before she did that, she was going to watch the previous night's Doctor Who. So, And she was wondering whether or not she could get away with analysing the Doctor's speech as part of her work. So I, I asked her to, um, instead of looking at the Doctor, <laughs> look at the Daleks and let me know what she thought. And um, she did. So this, this, these are the conclusions she came up with. Um, but she does start it with a disclaimer, saying that uh, as she's not quite qualified yet, take this with a pinch of salt. But actually, I think this sounds pretty good. No, I think it's definitely completely Def- true. Definitely. So if this is wrong, Amy, uh, I will complain to the GMC if you're ever... Uh, are they responsible for language therapists? I don't know. I don't even know who they are. Hey, the General Medical Council. Lovely. Anyway, I don't either. Right. Oh, well, let's carry on. General yeah. Medical Council, Andrew. What she said, our expert said... My clinical hypothesis is that Daleks have an impairment in use of intonation which suggests right hemisphere brain damage, consistent with their poor use of eye contact, impaired social judgment, lack of compassion and reduced insight into their own difficulties. Origin is probably genetic, since it's common across the species, probably not a speech and language therapy priority, although could run a social skills group if they're willing to participate. (laughs) Brilliant! Which led me into thinking, what would happen if the Daleks did go into therapy? Well, welcome everybody to this group session. I'm glad you could all make it. Shall we start by introducing ourselves again? Let's go round to the left this time, shall we? I am Dalek Rack, and I am a supreme being. I am Dalek Tar, and I am a ruthless ender of lives. I am a PC, and my job is done. If you're not going to take this seriously, I'm going home. I don't even want to be here. All we asked is if you'd give it a go. Whoa there, everyone. Let's have a bit of calm, please. Silence, inferior life form. Now listen here, guys. You came here today to let me try and help you through some of your issues. I won't be spoken to like that. Very well. I shall cease. Thank you. (sighs) Right. Shall we begin where we left off last week? With the cards? That is acceptable! Good. I'm so pleased. Here's the first one. Maybe you'd like to start us off, Rack. What do you see here? Death! Um, right. Okay. Thank you. Next card, Tar. How about you this time? Destruction! Fine. Qual, what about you? Total annihilation! I can't help feeling there may be a theme here. What are you saying? Thing, just that you seem all a little bit obsessed with death and destruction, that's all. And annihilation. Yes, yes, of course, and annihilation. God forbid I leave off the annihilation for once. Do you dare insult the Supreme Race? Of course I don't. No, but you have to admit your new outfits are a little, um, loud. Is he saying we look camp, but I like yellow? It enhances my bumps. How dare you insult us? I'm not insulting you. I think they're very nice new outfits. Just a little bright. Intelligent bright or Graham Norton bright? Definitely intelligent bright. And I promise I will not even mention that your heads look like lighty up shuttlecocks now. Exterminate! Exterminate! Exterminate. Exterminate. Oh. 
the superior race is victorious. Are you sure this color suits me? Maybe he's right. You could try black. They say it's very slimming. Well, thank you for listening to this week's Oodcast. It's been a pleasure. If you would like to contact us at any time during the week to either give us feedback on the show or anything else you might want to say, you can contact us in the following way. You can find us at www.theoodcast.com. If you're on Twitter, we are at The Oodcast, all lowercase, all one word. If you're on Facebook, we're at facebook.com forward slash the oodcast and you can also email us at oodcast at me.com that doesn't have a the it's the only one that doesn't <laughs> not sure why that is maybe we'll change that at some point um and also we're going to be asking particularly we've got a dalek agony aunt in next week and we were wondering if our listeners might write in with uh, some of their problems so that the dalek can help you with them we've heard he's very good so hurrah thank you for listening see you next week bye Cheerio.
Hello everyone, this is Stephen Chapansky speaking to you on behalf of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance, or as I like to call it, the Doctor Who Alliance of Podcasts, because then I can call it DWAP. Uh, I'm here to tell you about another Doctor Who signing at uh, Waterston's Lakeside in Turek in England um, on Saturday. April the 24th, between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. The special guest this time around, Nicholas Briggs, voice of the Daleks, Cybermen, oh, the Jadoon, plenty of other voices. Oh, I think he was a, he was a nesting consciousness as well, yes. Um, he will be there signing uh, copies of his, uh, his uh, the big finish disc, uh, Sherlock Holmes, Holmes and the Ripper, um, of which, of course, he plays Sherlock Holmes. As well, uh, he'll probably be signing some of his other uh, Dalek um, CDs that Big Finish has put out. Um, he'll also have his ring modulator there, so you can hear the sound of the Daleks live and in person. Uh, Nicholas Briggs is a fantastic guy. Uh, we talked to him at Gallifrey uh, as part of our uh, coverage on Radio Free Scarl there, and he is just a wonderful chap. So um, you uh, you would do very well to go along and, and meet Mr. Briggs and 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 chat with him about many different things. The Doctor Who uh, Doctor Who Alliance of Podcasts. See, I'm still saying it. Uh, they'll be there. They'll be there recording a podcast, just as they were at the recent Colin Baker signing. Um, so that podcast will be out and about for any other uh, member of the DWAP. Um, I think there's about 53 of them now. I think uh, to to be. Uh, you know, to download on their feeds, or it's it's open to everyone. It'll be great. I think Tony Galishan from the Flashing Blade will be there. I think uh, uh, Adam Purcell of Staggering Stories, and perhaps many, many more. I won't be, of course, because I'm in Canada. You see, it's a bit of a commute. So, but uh, you can be. Again, that's Waterstones Lakeside and Turek, Saturday, April twenty fourth, two thousand ten, between eleven and one. Meet Nicholas Briggs. So, thank you on behalf of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Oh.